Have you ever heard a musical artist described as having great chops? What does that mean? Well, the term chops is slang in the music business that refers to an artist that has developed great skills over time, whether they are a musician, composer, producer, or other titles associated with the music business. This is Scott Grimaldi, your host of Got Chops. Join me as I interview one musical artist per episode that I've had the pleasure of either performing, recording, or work with in my career. Plus, I'll be interviewing artists I've always wanted to speak with. We'll discover how each artist developed their chops, listen to their stories, and much more. This is Got Chops. My special guest artist for today is a multi-flautist from Paris, France. That's her on the track behind me playing flute, bass flute, and contrabass flute on Paul Smith's composition, Nunc Dimetis. Born in Japan, my guest was raised as a child in South Korea, Brazil, and England, and speaks five different languages. At seven years old, she began to play classical flute and continued throughout her college years at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in London, England, where she mastered her art. Recognized in France as a chamber musician and soloist, my guest also enjoys playing in a variety of other genres as well. As a multi-flautist, she plays all the various sized flutes, ranging from piccolo down to the contrabass flute. In addition, my guest is a Trevor James bass flute artist and an advocate for increasing commission works for the bass flute by living composers. In 2022, my guest released her visual album, Intrinsic, combining her passion for beautiful melodies, extended flute techniques, and breathtaking nature scenes that were filmed at a national park in Brazil. This multi-flautist certainly got chops. Please welcome Daniela Mars. Hi, Daniela. This is Scott from Got Shops. How are you? Hi, Scott. I'm great. Thank you. I'm very happy that we were able to do this. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Yes, it's been uh, quite some, uh, a couple of months that we're trying to uh, coordinate our schedules to do this interview, but I'm, I'm really excited to be able to speak to you today and learn all about you and uh, have my listeners uh, draw my listeners' attention to driving them to your social media uh, to listen to you and buy your music. So thank you once again. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So let me ask you, as a musical artist, what does the music slang got chops mean to you? Well, that's funny because I had actually never heard that expression before. And I asked a friend of mine, um, who's British, I asked him, uh, have, you, have you heard of this expression? And he said, oh, yeah, that means um, it's a, a good player or, or someone's playing well. But apparently you use it much more in America than you do in, in, um, in the UK. But, uh, in, for example, I, I live in France right now and I left the UK how many years ago? Over 10 years ago now when I was studying there. So, yeah, I actually had never heard that expression before. So it's interesting. So I read that you were raised in Japan, South Korea, Brazil, and England. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's quite a journey. So where were you born? I was actually um, I was actually born in Japan, but it's, uh, it's 
I wouldn't really say, it might, I don't have to say all my biographies, but I wouldn't really say that I was raised there because I only stayed there for two months. So I was a two-month uh, baby. And, um, and then I went to England and then Brazil and then South Korea from two to six years old. So I stayed four years there. Then England, Brazil, and kind of all over. But um, yeah, my I was mostly raised in South Korea, Brazil, and England. Wow, that, that's interesting. So you now live in Paris, France, correct? Exactly, yeah. How long have you been in Paris? For about, so in Paris, maybe five years, maybe. But in France, um, I don't know, Paris, more like four years. And in France, in total, about seven years. Okay, so out of all the places that you were... Uh... You grew up and uh, lived in different parts of the world. Why did you uh, select Paris or in France in general to settle down and work? Well, for me, since I've been living in different, I've been moving around my whole life, literally, um, it's not so hard for me to change countries, I feel. Not, so it's not such a huge thing. I mean, it, it's, it's always a big thing when you change countries because it's a different usually it's a different language, a different culture, different friends, everything. Um, but I, I think I might find it easier than most people because for me it's not, I've been doing that since forever, so it's not really such a big deal. I did want to continue uh, my studies in flute, and France was a good country. I actually was living in Austria in Vienna at the time when I decided to do that. And uh, so when I moved to, to France, I made friends here. I, I really like the language. I made some really good friends and I just ended up staying. But And it's also very easy to go to different countries from France. I feel like if you get a train to Germany, you can also get a train from the center of Paris to the center of London when it takes you about two hours and a half. So it's, um, it's easy to move around as well. It's not like you're stuck. So it's a uh, good place to be there's so much culture in europe i feel like so it's very it's very interesting it's it's a country i enjoy living in and it's very beautiful and yes the music especially if you're a flautist like you and i i mean the repertoire is just endless and just phenomenal your english oh yeah <laughs> you speak english uh great uh how many other languages do you speak well english is actually my first language with Portuguese. Even though I have an accent in English, um, which no one can really pinpoint where it's from because I grew up listening to all different kinds of English. I, there was the English from my mother, who was Brazilian, and she, she spoke with an accent. And I went to school when I was in South Korea. I, I studied in an international school. So there were all these children from all different parts of the world. And um, my accent just became very mixed, I guess. But um, I speak five languages, but three only three fluently. I, so I speak Portuguese, English, and French fluently. And then I speak some German and Spanish. That's fantastic. And as a traveling performer, that comes in handy, right? Yeah, it really does. It really does. Especially because uh, I do a lot of um, projects in Germany and... Uh, yeah, that helps a lot. That's great. So at what age did you begin to play and study music, and was flute your first instrument? Flute, uh, I would say it isn't. I mean, I would love singing, but instruments would probably be the, yeah, it was the flute. I was about seven years old. I was living in the north of England, in York. And, um, yeah, I started there. A friend of mine, she had brought her flutes into the class for, we had music class, and she brought her instruments. And I fell in love with it. I found it such a beautiful instrument without even having heard it, to be honest. So I looked at it and I said, like, it's just beautiful. And so I went home that night and I told my parents that I wanted to play the flute. And that's how it started, really. So let me ask you, what music genres and or artists were you inspired by when you were younger? Oh, gosh. It's funny because when I was younger, I wouldn't really listen much to pop music. At all. I was, um, I would love listening to classical music. And I was even embarrassed because on my iPod, 
when the iPod first was coming out, so people were buying them, um, I practically only had classical music on it. And um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't want anyone to know that because they find it weird, you know, when you're a teenager and you're just listening to classical music. But um, now I listen to absolutely everything, I think. I adore Beyonce. I adore Bjork, which are two very contrasting artists. Um, there's just, I literally listen to all kinds of music. I listen to pop, I listen to jazz, I listen to rock. Um, Brazilian music I adore as well. Uh, many kinds of world music as well. So, yes. Yeah, really a lot. I can go on forever. Share with my listeners the experiences that you had when you studied at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in London. And did you receive a degree in classical flute performance there? So what happened was when I went to university, I chose a degree in which it had the practical side, so like the the performance side, but also a more um, like academic side. And through that, I could only I could only really get that at this university called City University London because they had a partnership with Guildhall. So my I've got a BMUS, it's called. It's not a BMUS performance, but I had all my flute lessons. I had one hour flute lesson every week in Guildhall. Well, sometimes the teachers would go to our practice rooms, but it was mostly in Guildhall. Um, and the experience there was, it was great. I mean, it's, you learn a lot. Um, the thing is, when you're, in, I feel like when, at least when I was in university, it's so different than now, you know, we, we, we change so much afterwards and during because many of us are kind of clueless as to what it is we really want sometimes. And it's kind of scary for certain musicians when you think about how many positions there are in an orchestra job, because sometimes we think that's our only option. It's either teaching or an orchestra job. And um, you think, okay, how many, you know, it's, it's very hard to get. And is it something really that's going to make me happy? So I would say it was kind of, um, I was kind of anxious about, about that kind of anxious about um, like during my time as a student there were a lot of doubts and um but so but it's it's important it's, it was definitely an, an important period so my experience was um a growing experience <laughs> and all of all all that includes when you're growing up and i can attest to this uh, everything that daniela is talking about uh when i was a flute major in college I mean, the competition level is just fierce, right? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it is. And also some people, because of their own insecurities, can be very mean to each other as musicians, you know, can be very um, judgy about the sound, or just not, there's not really, sometimes there's a lack of, um, I I don't know what the word is exactly, but when you're, instead of supporting each other, because it's so competitive, you know, it people can, be a bit too much in their ego or in their insecurities and want to bring others down. So that, that can, is also something which I think can happen quite easily when you're in a, in a conservatoire, when you're in a college, which is um, hard to get into. And yeah, which I mean, it's, it's natural, but it's not great. So you are recognized as a chamber musician and soloist in France. What was the appeal of these two musical idioms? Well, I, I feel like in chamber music, you have a lot more artistic freedom than when you're in an orchestra, unless you're the conductor, I guess, or the, or the, um, so the leader of the orchestra. But um, So I, I really enjoyed working with uh, other musicians and um, making artistic decisions together, and it, it was much more of a, it just had a, a really nice vibe, which I liked. Um, soloist, I've, I've enjoyed performing as a soloist very much as well, but I think chamber music would probably be my, my favorite. Uh, so the appeal was just, uh, well, fun, <laughs> I guess. It all boils down to that. <laughs> when I watch you perform on Instagram, that comes through that you're really enjoying the music, you're having a lot of fun. Oh, I'm glad. Thank you. 
My pleasure. You make it enjoyable for the listeners and, you know, the viewers. So that's great. As you spoke before, uh, you've always had an interest in contemporary music. So let me clarify. Uh, To you, does that mean that you also play jazz and pop styles as well? Or are you referring to contemporary classical music? I was referring to contemporary classical music, although I am getting more into slowly, but I, I have, for, for example, played in a bossa nova band, uh, so a Brazilian music band, uh, where I would play flute and I would sing, um, and I have uh, played some pop music, I, I've like recorded some pop music for some artists, so I mean, I'm open to everything, everything's music, I don't... Con- I don't uh, look at something being more, I don't know how to say, elite than others or more higher than others, you know? So I do enjoy all kinds of music, as I've said. I have, I am still getting into improvising. I'm, I'm getting there. It's, it's a journey. <laughs> so I wouldn't say, I would not be confident playing jazz yet, for example. Even if I played bossa nova, it's quite different, I think. When you refer to jazz, what artist or uh, instrumentalist are you talking about? There's a fantastic flutist um, called Hada. I never know how to, I think it's Neuberg, her, her last name. She's an artist I really admire, I really like. Um, she's the main one I am actually, I actually follow. I actually follow. She's um, my main inspiration, I think. You are a Trevor James flute artist. How did you become an artist for Trevor James? And does that include you playing and demonstrating for the company their line of piccolos and various size flutes like alto, bass, and contrabass? So I became, I can't remember what year it was, I became a Trevor James flute artist, but it was because I had asked them if I could borrow a bass flute, actually, because I had made some arrangements which I wanted to record, but I didn't have a bass flute. And so I contacted them and I asked very nicely if it was okay for me to to borrow one. And I made some recordings, I made some videos of it, and um, they really enjoyed it. They really liked it. And they proposed that um, I became an artist uh, of the bass flute. And so I said, yes, it was, um, there was nothing included, like you must show, showcase the flute or you must whatever, but um it just meant that I was able to play this beautiful instrument. And um, as I was exploring more music and, and doing more different kinds of arrangements, and even for my album, I, I was recording with an alto flute, a bass flute, and um, I even had a different kind of head joint called, um, it's usually called flute with membrane or a dizzy head joint, D-I-Z-I head joint. And um, so it's, um, I, I, I ended up making one of the, those kind of head joints from a head joint they gave me. Uh, so it's been great. It's been really, uh, very, I mean, even my main professional flute is now a Trevor James flute. So before I used to be only a low flute artist, but now I I play all the flutes. I, I just don't use um, their piccolo because I already had a piccolo. And unfortunately, they don't make a contrabass flute, at least not yet. I'm kind of yeah, that's really phenomenal that uh, you have a bass flute and you were an artist for that company playing bass flute. Not many flautists, including myself, have a bass flute. I have the piccolo, the flute, the alto flute, but in my line, um, in, in my working environment, we only pick that up, uh, pick up another bigger size instrument if there is a um, the chance, the opportunity to work and to use that. But it, it's different around the country, which I'm, uh, and in the globe, that's what I'm finding out. Do you refer to yourself as a flutist, flautist, or a flute player? So I usually say, I don't even say flautist, I say, I say flautist usually, <laughs> okay. because I think that's how, <laughs> that's how you'd pronounce it in England. Um, I never say flute player. I either say flutist or flautist, but mostly flautist, I think. You probably don't know why I'm asking that, but here in the States, uh, if you're a doubler like myself, besides being a flute major, I was also a saxophone major. Uh, So when you're working with other doublers that play sax, flute, and clarinet, 
uh, it depends upon if they're a flute major or just a saxo clarinet major. They'll say, oh, yeah, I'm a flute player, too. But if you're a flute major, as you know, you, as you said, a flautist or a flautist. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you can always tell someone that studied at a conservatory uh, rather than um, a, a jazz school. So that's why I'm asking that. Oh, I see. No, but it, it did seem to be a debate. I used to have a Tumblr blog, which I actually still do. And it, it was like a debate on Tumblr, like what you should call. And in the end, it doesn't really matter. So what was your motivation and intention in them purchasing and or playing the bass and contrabass flutes, besides being an artist for Trevor James? So my interest for the bass flutes actually became when, well, first of all, I had to, I, there was this piece by Ian Clark called Within, and I had to play this piece. I, I was obsessed with this piece, and I got all my friends together, and I said, look, this is for seven flutes. We need an alto, we need a bass. This person has an alto, no one has a bass. So then I ended up buying a bass flute on Amazon, which wasn't very expensive and which was not good quality. It was horrible. I still have it, but it's more like a toy now. It doesn't make much sense. But I actually bought that so that we could do this piece, you know, just because I really want to say it. But then this bass flute, when I tried to, I love the sound. And when I tried to do arrangements uh, using it, my bass flute, didn't work it just sounded it was always out of tune and it was just kind of broken so that's when I contacted Trevor James and then the contrabass flute um I recorded for my album a concerto which is called the Nola Flute Concerto and it's for various flutes it's for various instruments um it's for, sorry it's for various flutes and string orchestra and so that means it's for flutes flutes with membrane which is that dizzy headring I mentioned Bass flute and contrabass flute. So I asked um, this flute orchestra, which I play in now, if they could lend me a contrabass flute. And they asked me, well, why don't you play in our orchestra? So after that, I couldn't really say no. I can't say, <laughs> okay, uh, no, I don't want to play with you guys, but give me the contrabass flute, you know? Right. So um, I ended up try uh, starting to play with them, and I really enjoy the people, uh, really like the people there. So... Um, I still perform with them quite a bit, and they have lent me the contrabass flute. I just love the sound. It's funny because all of this came from pieces which needed them, and then I just fell in love with the instrument, and I decided to do more with it. So I also read that you're an advocate for increasing commission works for the bass flute. Share with my listeners your published bass flute project. Okay, so yeah, that was so when I did become a Paradigm flute artist. Um, I wanted to do more pieces on the bass flute, and I had been playing some Baroque pieces, but I really wanted to work with composers and just do new music, uh, play music from living composers. It didn't make sense for me to just be playing this music from people who've been dead for so many years. And so I, I said on Instagram, guys, if you write me a piece, I will play it on my, I'll play it, I'll do a video, and I'll talk about your website on my Instagram, or whatever you want me to and so I got just a few people sending me music in, and it was really great. Um, then I guess yeah, some other pieces got published with Master Music Publications in London. So yeah, that's how that's how I was going. I'm not sure if I'm gonna continue that. I, I mean, I've I've stopped it for a while now, but because um, it's a lot of work anyway, and I've got I'm quite busy at the moment. But I might I might get back on that. That's great. You mentioned before um, arranging. So I'm assuming that you're also an arranger for things that you write? It's it's more, um, so for arrangements, it's things that just I, I usually enjoyed um, listening to. So for example, there are pieces, the, the piece that I, I, I arranged um, a piece by Bjork called Unravel. Um, I, that's when, that's actually when I needed the, the flute, that's when I needed the, how do you say that the bass flute was because I had, I had written an arrangement for three bass flutes. And so, um, I love this piece so much that I, that I did an arrangement for it because I wanted to play it. And then also I did some for, there's a composer called Paul Smith and, um, so he usually writes uh, composes pieces for choir, 
but I loved his music. And so I did an arrangement of his piece for contrabass flute, bass flute, flute, and alto flute, I believe. So it hasn't been my original compositions, but um, just the compositions of artists I admire. Let me tie something in. Uh, you just mentioned composer Ian Clark. On your Instagram, you posted a few videos of you playing flute on, by this composer called Orange Dawn from your new visual album. So talk about how this project came about and who Ian Clark is. So Ian Clark is an amazing flutist, an amazing composer. So he writes very well for the flute because he's a flutist. And um, he, I believe he, he also, yes, he teaches at Guildhall as well. And um, I always loved his music. Um, I can't remember what the first, I did a video of his piece called ZoomTube and also Beverly. And uh, then we played, I performed Within actually a few times now. And um, so for my visual album, I really wanted, for me, it was very important to have pieces by living composers. And um, Ian Clark is a living composer and I just love his music. So I chose the piece Orange Dawn to, um, to play in, in my album, to record in my album, because it was also, the whole album was very linked to nature. The whole idea was that every piece would have a video and every video, every piece would be linked to, would be linked to nature. So Orange Dawn, it was a perfect example because it was, uh, even the title is very visual, you know, Orange Dawn and everything. <laughs> but um, in, even in the program notes, he said, he writes down what it is he imagined. Um, and it's all in nature. I think it's a, an image he imagined in Africa. So, um, yeah, it's a fantastic piece. Yeah, it's uh, very soothing and very relaxing. And it, um, yeah, that's a great concept that you, you have right now. Could you talk about how you incorporated the extended flute techniques? Um, you mean how I incorporated it, how it's incorporated in the piece? Yes. So in Orange Dawn, the only extended techniques are these kind of, um, I would call them like kind of bamboo sounds. Uh, it's, it's a different kind of sound, which is um, you play a note, but with different fingerings as the, as the traditional, the traditional fingerings that you'd use. And it's, uh, it just sounds very airy. So that's the, that's the technique which you use in Orange Dawn. But he uses loads of different techniques, for example, in ZoomTube. In ZoomTube, there are, Multiphonics, there's singing and playing, there are microtones, um, there's a microtonal scale, which is super hard to play. Um, and I don't know if it can be considered like a standard technique, but there's a high, high F sharp, I believe, which you have to play, I think, three times. Um, and I remember when I was recording this, actually, it's funny, because um, I told my friend um, at the time I was recording, I said, okay, this part. I'm going to have to do many times because it's very hard. And I, for some, like, I don't know, the stars aligned on that moment. And I managed to reach that top, top F sharp, like three times on the first take. And I was like, okay, let's stop. Let's not do another one. Like, that's it. We're not going <laughs> to, we're not going to try again because I don't know if it will happen because it's so hard. So also talk about the filming of the location and the challenges of filming with a drone on a steep slope. My God. Oh, yes, that was, um, <laughs> I felt fine because I was actually barefoot when I was standing and, and I had a lot of stability and I'm used to exploring or just um, going on adventures in nature. So I'm not scared of heights actually at all. And uh, I, I, my mom was more, much more scared than I was. Like she, she didn't even want to look at me when I was, when I was there, but it was fine. Um, the challenges were getting to the location for sure because it was super hot, it was super dry, and um, yeah, in, in the end it all worked out. But but it was a lot of it was physical. It was uh, we had to we had to walk for quite a lot, and it was a dry season in Brazil, in the states where I'm from. So humidity could go below ten percent sometimes, which is very low. But um, 
I'm really glad I did it. I mean, I don't regret it at all. It was a lot of work, but I'm, I'm happy we managed to do it. And what made you decide to film with a company that um, has drones? So it wasn't really a company. It was more this, this the, the filmmaker, or the videographer, actually. He was the he was the boyfriend of my cousin's best friend. <laughs> so he was just starting with videos. And um, he managed to give me a good price because he wasn't, he was only just starting. And that helped a lot because I really wanted to be the one to edit the video. So I wanted to edit the video myself. And um, he would allow me to do that. And I would also make it cheaper. So he had, he had a drone. And so I thought, okay, well, let's use the drone when we can. And if, if, if it works, and sometimes it's, it worked really well for some shots. It was just phenomenally great. Oh, thank you. So please talk about your new album, plus being on the cover of a very prestigious flute magazine this past October called The Flute View that included an artist's interview about you. Yeah, so um, my album is called Intrinsic. It's, um, as you also mentioned, um, a visual album with videos for every piece. And very linked to nature, which is a big, big passion of mine. So it's, um, it came out with uh, Watches 8 Records, which I was also very happy about. And it came out on the was it, 30th of September. It was an album which uh, I feel it was, it was so hard to make because it was during COVID. I, had, I recorded it in 2021. And I had done the crowdfunding in December or November 2020. 2020. And uh, I had to postpone the recording so many times because I was going to record it in Brazil. And the situation there was just getting worse and worse. So we had, the hall had to close a few times. And then I, I actually booked the hall twice and it didn't work. And then on the third time, luckily it did work. And so I went and I recorded there and it was, it was really beautiful to do it in Brazil. It was great to go back home and to be to have to see my family. Uh, well, actually, I, this is this is quite interesting, at least for me. <laughs> I, I when I arrived in Brazil, I arrived straight in in Rio, um, and I'm not from Rio. I'm from Goiânia. So for me to arrive back in my country, but in a city which is not mine, where my family's not there, so that I can work, it's almost. Um, it's kind of difficult because I want to, I miss my country. I wanted to kind of feel at home and I wanted to see my family. And uh, yes, I was like, oh no, I have to get this done and then I can enjoy and I'll have to do the videos. Um, so it was tough. It was something where I really had to go into work mode or just professional mode. And this is what I'm doing. And uh, I have to concentrate on this now, you know? So after that, um, after I recorded, I did the videos in this beautiful, nat um, I think it's called Natural Park, National Park in Brazil, which is huge, called Chapada dos Viadeiros. And then, um, yeah, it was uh, it was tough. It was, but it was beautiful. It was a uh, really amazing place. I, I didn't want to leave. And uh, then afterwards, the listening to the takes, the editing, all of that, which is which happens when, when you have to do an album, which is actually almost harder. I found it so hard to listen to myself afterwards. I was so scared that it wasn't going to be good. And then no, the takes wouldn't be good enough. And uh, then that was it. I couldn't do anything else. You know, it, was, it just wasn't good. Um, luckily, we did. Um, I, I, I did end up being happy with, with most of the things I did. Um, and so, yeah, the launch concert was in the beginning... Gosh, I can't remember now. It was either beginning of, I think it was beginning of September. And on the 30th of September, the album was officially released on the, on the streaming platforms. It was all there and also purchased a physical copy. And uh, on then, so that was on the end of September. And in October, I was on the cover of the Fruit View on the Fruit Magazine, which was fantastic. It was really lovely. They did an interview with, with me and I also spoke about my album. So yeah, it's been it's been great. I feel like there's still always work to do with the promotion of it and also with sending it out to people. But um, and it's really nice to have this body of work from 
all of everything that happened because there are just so many stories, so many things happened to make this album exist, you know? <laughs> well, most people, um, lay people as we call them, don't really realize what it takes to put together an album, one song, one track, and you're doing a visual album. They just see uh, a little snippet of it when you put it on Instagram. Oh, man, that looks great. But if they knew the amount of hours and the amount of uh, money you put out to do this just to take a chance, you know, I mean, of course, it's your first love. But, you know, I don't think most people would do what we're doing. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. If so, Many times, if if you knew the work it would take, you you might not do it. But, I mean, I'm I'm excited to, I was excited to do it. And I'm, I know it was a lot of work, but I feel like that's, I don't, get uh, discouraged by it I just I get more um, I think okay now I have more experience so if I do another one it will be easier bravo to you I mean that's what it's all about you know if you are enjoying what you're doing that's the main reason we do it so in addition to doing all that tell my listeners about the flute trio that you're a member of called three pirouetten oh yes I adore this trio because we have so much fun together. We are laughing so much. Um, this actually was a product of COVID. Um, Heiner Berger, who's the composer, who composes the works of our trio, he actually sent me, he was a follower of mine on, on Instagram, and he sent me a message. And he, he said, there is a chance I'm going to get a grant to, to, um, to compose some pieces, uh, which I did during COVID, um, if I get that, would you want to perform them with me? And I just said, <laughs> if, he, if he hears this, he's going to find it funny. Because I was like, yeah, sure, of course, I'll do it. And I hadn't really heard his music. He sent me some links. I forgot to look at it. I'd given him my number so he, can, so he could um, call me later and tell me more. And so we, and then I think a few days later, I get this call from Germany. And I'm thinking, who is this? And I'm like, hello? He's like, hi, Daniela, this is Rainer Berger. And I didn't remember. And I was like, oh, hi, just trying to remember who it was. Um, and he was like, did you listen to my music? Did you enjoy it? And I actually lied. I was like, yes, I loved this. It was amazing because I, I was too embarrassed. I was just listening to it. <laughs> yeah, I was too embarrassed to say, oh, I've got no idea who you are. Um, but then uh, in the end... Um, I did listen to it. He explained to me the project and he asked if I knew another flutist which, which would be interested and which plays this kind of music. So, of course, what happens when someone asks you that, you're going to invite your friend. You're going to be like, okay, yeah, I've got a great flutist who she's amazing. So, and, and actually, her, her name is Tihia and she really does play contemporary music. She, she's, a, she's a great flutist. flautist. <laughs> and uh, she, she, she plays uh, lots of contemporary music so I thought of Tihia and then he got the grant and I was like okay this is happening and um, since um, since in the end uh, things were delayed because of my of the hall in the in Brazil for my album I once had a video call with them and I said guys I'm not going to Brazil again so let's make this happen and we managed to book tickets and uh, to record his pieces and it works out brilliantly and the, the most important and I can't stress this enough because everything works so well so, so much it just so, works so much better when you enjoy when you have a good relationship with the people you work with of course I mean that should be a that should be obvious but I feel like sometimes people forget just how important it is and the vibe we had the the, the amount of like how easy it was to communicate with each other that worked so well and um we just kept on doing more projects we did a tour this summer and it's just it's just hilarious really it's uh it's it's really fun with with him and i love china's music so yeah i really enjoy it the album titles you have on spotify Mention two of your top audio tracks you might want to include uh, from your new um, new visual album as well, or solely that, that's up to you, that I'll be able to filter in excerpts during this interview in order to give my audience a sense of who you are as a performer. 
So I think my third, my top two uh, tracks on Spotify would be Be Still My Soul, which is a piece by Rhonda Larson. Then there's Lugia's song, I think is the next one. And that was an arrangement I did as well from a Pokemon movie. <laughs> and it actually, I don't, it's got over 100,000 streams on Spotify. I didn't expect to see that big. From my album, I think the piece which I adore the most, if you can pick favorites in your album, I almost feel guilty, <laughs> which is strange, um, but it would be the Nola Fruit Concerto, the first movement of it. And um, I think that would be interesting to hear because it's, uh, it's stunning. It's really stunning music. As a musical artist, how important is the use of social media to you? I already know the answer, but I have to ask it. <laughs> so for me, it's very important because I just met so many lovely people. And that's the thing. It's, it's connections. You know, it's not only about, um, I mean, of course, it's promoting your work, but it's what you, it's the connections you make from it and the people you meet, even if it is virtually. You can make, like, for example, even the example of my trio. Heine was uh, someone who, he was following me and he, he liked my work and that's why he invited me to, to record his pieces. But there were many things which, which came out from that and even the, I managed to fund my album thanks to my followers, really. Like, they, they were the ones who, who really helped me make this album come true. And they're the ones screening it, I guess. So it's, I find it very, very important, very important. And also the, the good thing is um, the, the good thing is that it's your social media. You're the one who controls what it is you put up out there. So social media can, you have to use it wisely, I think. It's very easy to, um, to kind of get into this like downward spiral or just like mindless scrolling. And sometimes I have to, like stop myself even from doing that i have to be okay like get off it practice because it's just especially with reels now and everything but um 
it can be a very powerful tool if you know how to use it. Do you have any musical or life philosophies or catchphrases that you live by? I do have one, and it's two, I guess. Um, And one of them I put actually in the booklet, kind of in the booklet of my album, because I thanked my father for allowing me to live a life which is true to myself and not to the expectations of others. I think that's extremely important, not only in music, but in everything. You know, sometimes there, we make decisions not because it's what we really want or what's really true to our authentic self, you know. It's, um, it's what we think we want, what, what we think other people will want to see from us. So I think that's extremely important. Also, I would say especially as an artist, because our work comes so much from ourselves and our our artistic soul you know so it's important to stay true to that and um the other one it may seem a bit i don't know not contradictory but i always think to myself there's more to life than music i mean i obviously adore music i am but i don't want it to be it's not the only thing you know some sometimes we we only have musician friends and we're only thinking about how much time we have left to practice that day, or it it can be just our whole universe sometimes. And we can just create this bubble and it can be very, we we put so much pressure on ourselves in so many different ways. And even when we're spending these hours practicing and then we have a concert and we are unhappy with how we played in the concert. So we're upset, you know, that can happen so easily when we're, super critical and just just thinking about that or just being in that world so I would I would tell myself that because that kind of puts the weight off uh, and you know and it's um it helps us a lot and I think even when we do learn about other arts not just music or have other experiences um that adds to the artistry anyway of the person that's great and a very healthy thing to say and very wise um, I wish I had more of that in myself when I was younger, because like you just said, you beat yourself up. It wasn't good enough. I didn't like it. If only I did it again, I'll never get hired. You know, that's very tough to break. Um, when you get older, it, it does become easier because, you know, people know of you, uh, you have a name for yourself. And when you remind yourself of that, like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Okay, I still might not like what I did, but if they like it, that's what we have to trust. I teach a lot of children. Many of my students, they started the flute with me. And that actually really helped me fall in love with the instrument again when I was having one of these times where I was just too much in it and too critical of everything because they look at the instruments like it's the most beautiful thing. They're excited to play it. And then it reminds me how I was when I was their age. And yeah, that children also help when you think about it. And you just to remind yourself how you were and why it was that you started to do music. Let's talk about any upcoming live performances or projects that you'd like to announce. Well, in May 25th, I will actually be in the States. I have, I'm going to be doing, playing the world premiere of a flute concerto by Philippe Troy. Um, he is an American French composer, and he's currently writing me a flute concerto. I actually, I actually received a message from him as I was uh, talking to you. A message from him came up because we're talking about it every day <laughs> to change things or what could be better. So it, it, that's really great about working with um, with living composers. And um, so that's going to be quite big because uh, I, I really can't wait to 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 premiere it. But also, I'm probably going to, I'm still working things out uh, schedule-wise because organizing a tour is so much work. But um, I'll probably also be in uh, Sacramento. I'll be uh, around California. But the concerto will be in the Demena Center in New York uh, on the 25th of May. That's that's for, that's for sure. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm in Jersey, New Jersey. That's right next to New York. So I'm sure I'll say this on your social media, but uh, please, you know, remind me also as we get closer, if, if I'm not working, you know, I'd love to take my wife and, and watch you perform. That would be incredible. 
Oh, that would be so great to meet you and her. That would be amazing. Oh, thank you. So where can my listeners find you on social media besides Instagram? TikTok account because my friends were just pressurizing me. <laughs> so you can find me on Daniela, just Daniela Mars Flute. Um, on Instagram, no, on Facebook, sorry, you can find me on uh, Daniela Mars. I have a YouTube channel as well. Uh, my website, danielamars.com. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's everything. I don't really use Twitter that much, but uh, I'm there. Uh, oh, and of course, Spotify, just Daniela Mars. <laughs> you can find me on Spotify, Deezer, Tidal. You can find my music there, my albums all over there. Well, Daniela, thank you so much for granting me um, this interview and your precious time. Uh, you're a great performer. Uh, you have a very interesting lifestyle. All the best to you on the new visual album, all your Spotify tracks, uh, all your um, social media. We could see you constantly in playing and your, your trio and teaching, of course. Um, everything you do is absolutely great, and I'll continue following you, and I look forward to hopefully seeing you in the States in May. If, if the, yeah, the- that would be great. I'll definitely let you know. And thank you so much for, for having me on the podcast. It was great to talk to you, too. Well, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, Daniela, have a great day. I hope to speak with you real soon. Take care now. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me on today's show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and could hear why my guest got chops. You can follow my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or Anchor.fm, and stay connected between episodes on Instagram at Gotchops Podcast. Join me on the next episode when we discover why my next guest got chops.